In Episcopal churches, Christmas morning tends to be the quieter of the manger scenes. And for obvious reasons, um, Christmas morning tends to be for people who um, are a little bit older or young at heart. There tend to be less kids on Christmas morning. And if you've been to a Christmas Eve service before, especially at St. John's Cathedral, and yesterday was my first time to do those many services, Christmas Eve is a... But one of the biggest differences between Christmas morning and Christmas Eve concerns the readings, and especially the gospel reading. Everything shifts on Christmas morning to that much more philosophical and mystical gospel named John's. There's an Episcopal priest I know who's a great writer and just a wonderful observer of of the differences among the gospels and all the biblical stories. And she points out that if you tried to have a Christmas pageant based upon John's gospel, here's what you'd get. A dark stage, a flashlight moving around just a little bit, one character who has no voice, and strangely John the Baptist, and a narrator, last but not least, a narrator reading a poem. That's John's version of the Christmas story. Unlike Matthew and Mark and Luke, who have all that pathos um, that we tend to associate, especially in the popular imagination with Christmas, Mary and Joseph and the wise men and the shepherds and the stars and the heavens and the heavenly chorus, John will have none of it. In the beginning was the word... And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things came into being through Him. Not one single thing came into existence without this Word. It's chock full of biblical allusions, of course. In the beginning is a reference to what? Genesis. So in the beginning... And that Christ is there in the beginning. And somehow this word, somehow mysteriously Christ, has to do with the birth of every single being, every single thing. The entire cosmos has something to do with this word. Every breath we take, every step we make has to do with Christ and only by God's power. There's nothing, nothingness before the Word finally speaks. And then finally when the Word speaks, things come into life. Just like in Genesis. The naming of the animals, the naming of Adam and Eve, the naming of all things somehow brings them into existence. And then this incredible Word. The Word. In Greek, it's logos. It's where we get the word in English logic from, which is a little too pedantic for what's all loaded in this incredible Greek term. John is trying to, um, you really see, he's trying to, to move the Christmas message 
move the meaning of Christ and the movement of the Spirit beyond simply the Jewish imagination into the Greek worldview. John, like Paul before him, is trying to build intellectual credibility for what Christianity and Christ are all about. God's logic was made flesh and dwelt among us. God's meaning came in flesh and blood. God's meaning became so concrete that you could reach out and touch it and feel it and taste it and sense it. There's a Baptist theologian who points out, and he's a philosopher, that another deeper dimension that we really miss in English of word and logic is this, that God's story is made flesh and dwelt among us. That God's story becomes something we can grasp and hold on to a little more faithfully and a little more clearly. And when it says that God's story was made flesh, that's so rich too because it means that God's story is linking up with our flesh, with our stories, so that we can't even make any sense of our lives without thinking about Christ. And we can't make much sense of Christ without thinking about our own lives and our own stories. This becomes a remarkable pattern in John's gospel. Read it sometime. It's a lovely gospel. I'm going to cut... I'm going to do what my wife often gets frustrated with me about if you've not seen the movie. I love to talk about the end with you. But I think it's fair to do that with John's gospel because the beginning foreshadows the end. God's story was made flesh and dwelt among us. Here's how it ends. Almost the last verse says this. That if we tried to record every single thing Jesus did... The world itself could not contain the amount of books that would need to be written. This story goes on and on and is continuously linked with our stories, with our life, with our death, and with our resurrections. And that's precisely why John doesn't need a manger scene or a crash. For John, Christ is born, yes, within history as Mary's child, but perhaps even more profoundly, Christ is born in the life, death, and resurrection of every single one of us, in our own stories, in our own hearts. That's where John's more mystical crash is found. So on Christmas morning, may God give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to feel the one who is being born within us, the Word made flesh.